This is the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel, and it's episode number 40. Welcome to the Live Life Happy Podcast with Andrea Seidel. We're all about highlighting self-help, positive psychology, and books on well-being. We share the content and actionable advice so you can make normal life extraordinary. We are a community of lifelong learners, high achievers, and busy people. Get ready for your download so you can live life happy. I'm your host and addicted to reading, Andrea Seidel. Hey there, it's Andrea here. I hope you're doing absolutely fantastic. Now, I want you to be totally honest with me. Do you have any bad habits? <laughs> That's a trick question because I think every single one of us has at least one or two, maybe three bad habits or habits that we just, you know, we go on to automatic pilot and we seem to go into these modes where, you know, sometimes these habits, they, they change our choices or they make us, you know, do things that we don't necessarily want to be doing. So today the podcast is all about the power of habit and it's It's by Charles Duhigg, and it's such a wonderful book. This book highlight is just going to really empower you, and it's really it's going to teach you how and why we do things in our life and in our business, and how we can actually change habit and how we can change what it is that we are doing in our lives. And if this is your first time on the podcast, welcome! Thank you so much for joining us. I don't know what's going on, but I have trouble speaking today. (laughs) I'm not so so sure it's such a great day to be recording this podcast, but I want to be on time for you. And I wanted to get this book out because it is already helping me in my day-to-day living. And I just read it on the weekend. So Charles Duhigg teaches us why habits exist and basically how we can change them. And I mean, why are some people able to successfully quit smoking and run marathons or exercise daily or finish challenging projects? There's a pattern actually inside their brain that neuro... I really can't speak today. Neurologists have discovered these patterns and how we can actually successfully change these patterns um, in order to, you know, change our behavior and change our lives. So what do all these people have in common that, you know, have changed their habits that they were able to, you know, set their minds to exercising daily and achieve this success. And really what it is, is by focusing on the patterns that shape every aspect of our lives. And that's how we can really transform our habits. So these people succeed because they actually are transforming their day-to-day habits. And guess what? You can too. And it's so amazing because I've already applied a lot of the tools within this book and it is so profound. Okay. So This book teaches us a whole new understanding of human nature and its potential for transformation. So I think I need to take a deep breath and I am going to focus on speaking clearly and speaking these words for you. I'm so sorry. Okay. So the habit loop is one of the things that he talked about within his book and how, and this explains kind of how habits work. And once we understand this habit loop, we're better able to understand how habits work. And so we rely on these um, chunks and it's called psychological chunks or behavior chunks. And we just, our brain is wired to um, make these chunks in order for us to effectively go through our day. So for example, like backing up a car. So think about that behavior itself. It's 
it's efficient because our brain chunks all that behavior into one and that allows us to conserve mental energy. So with with our habits, our brain can actually kind of shut down so it doesn't get overloaded. So it kind of goes into automatic pilot. Um, so we don't have to think about all the like tasks of backing that car up. It happens. We go on automatic pilot. So it's really mental conservation. So our brain chunks behaviors together in order for us to not have brain overload. And uh, this process in our brain is called the three-step process. And it's really the, the habit loop. So first, there is a cue or there's a trigger that tells our brain to go into automatic mode and uh, which habit to use. So there's a cue that tells our body, okay, we're backing the car up. Let's pull up that habit or that chunk of information that'll help us so we can effectively back this car up, for example. And then the second, there is a routine. So we have the cue. We're backing. We want to back the car up. We're in the car. We're about to back up. Then the second part is there's a routine. So this can be physical. It can be mental. It can be emotional. There's a chunk of things that we do or a routine that we do in order to, in response to that cue. Then third, there is actually a reward, which helps the brain figure out uh, if it should be saved or remembered as that, that, you know, that particular loop actually helped us. So yeah, the reward is that we got out of the driveway effectively and efficiently, and we didn't hit anything, and we were able to effectively move on and move on into our day. So you can see, there's the cue, there's a routine, and then there's a reward which helps the brain. The reward is actually what helps the brain figure out whether or not that particular loop is worth remembering for the future. So the loop becomes more and more automatic. And that is how a habit is born. Isn't that interesting? So just by learning the habit loop, it makes it, it makes us understand this, it makes it easier to control habits. So patterns remain inside our heads. So we can't just like forget about a habit loop that we've created. They stay inside of our head. And that's why it's so hard to change habits. And that's why we become, you know, used to our habits and, and they become so automatic that sometimes we don't even realize that something is a habit. Okay, so we may not always remember experiences that create our habits, but once they are logged lodged into our brains, they actually influence how we act on a day-to-day basis. And we often don't even realize that it's gotten into a habit or that habit loop. Okay, so next, um, some of the parts within this book, and by the way, this book is incredible. Like I highly recommend, I am just touching on the surface here, and these are just the actionable nuggets that I've sucked out. So there's so much more in this book. I always Please emphasize supporting the author, purchasing the book, and you can get so much more out of it. But for the purpose of sucking out actionable nuggets so you can apply it to your life right away, um, this is what I came up with. So how to create new habits really stood out for me within this book and is so powerful. So new habits are created by putting together a cue, a routine, and a reward. So then you want to cultivate the cravings that drive that loop. So this is so important. So take, for instance, like smoking. So when a smoker sees a cue, like maybe they see a pack of cigarettes, um, their brain starts to anticipate that hit of nicotine. So, and if it doesn't arrive, the craving grows until the smoker reaches for that cigarette. So the craving becomes ingrained as part of this habit loop. So that craving 
piece is really important in forming habits. And so wanting turns into cravings. And that that forces the brain to go onto automatic pilot. And so your behavior, uh, you act, your routine becomes grabbing those cigarettes and starting to, and having that smoke. So it's amazing how even when we're faced with strong disincentives, like we know that smoking is bad for us, maybe, you know, our wives don't want us to smoke or whatever it is, um, that disincentive kind of doesn't even work, right? Or I mean, even like with weight management, right? That disincentive or you don't really want to gain weight and you don't want to, you know, there's so many reasons why you don't want to eat those cookies, but it's a habit of when you're bored to go into the kitchen and grab those cookies. So it shows you that even when we're faced with strong disincentives, uh, we uh, we have this, we go onto this automatic pilot and we have that loop, that habit loop that's been created that cue, that routine, and that reward that really ends up cultivating a craving that ends up driving that loop. Isn't that incredible? So to understand the power of cravings in like creating habits, we need to consider like, for example, consider the the exercise habit. So studies have shown, he was saying within his book, that um, many of those who had started exercise and then continued to exercise uh, and then it eventually became a habit for them. So the people who exercise and it had, they continued to exercise and it has become a habit. The reason they were able to keep going is because they grew that reward to a point of feeling like they crave it. So that's the key with forming habits and creating habit loops is that your reward ends up creating a craving. So um, so for example, I do crave walking. Like I love how I feel after I've gone for a really nice walk. My legs are tingly. I feel like there's circulation to the point where if I sit too long, my I feel agitated and I don't want to sit much longer. And um, I actually crave walking and not to mention like the reward of, you know, in my Apple watch, like I get the full rings or I get my 10,000 steps. It's a nice reward, but it's also, I get this craving for that nice circulatory boost and how I feel after I walk. So I can actually say that now that's a habit loop. So walking is a habit within my days and it's part, it's ingrained to me. I crave it now. So it's really important to add in from his book, he was saying this habit loop and to feed the habit loop, we want to make sure that there are actually that you start to crave it. So feel, so for example, like feeling good and a sense of accomplishment after working out and exercise is things that you'll start craving. So if you start noticing the reward of a new habit that you want to build, it'll help you create a habit loop. Uh, So isn't that amazing? Okay. So for example, if you wanted to start running every morning, it's essential that you choose a simple cue. So if we go back to that habit loop, the cue might be like always lacing up your sneakers um, before breakfast and, you know, or putting your, your running shoes on or putting your clothes right beside your bed. So the cue is right there. And then he's also emphasizing with his book that we need to have a clear reward uh, for, for having building that routine and 
into our life. So the clear reward might be, you know, if uh, you feel the endorphins after you run or um, you eat, you feel uh, rejuvenated or it ends up making you have all kinds of other great habits throughout the day. And or the reward is that, you know, you just feel a burst of energy and really tap into that reward to the point where that behavior, that routine uh, becomes a craving. Uh, So your cue is the clothing, uh, your behavior would be doing the run and then making sure that the reward is profound for you. So your brain, and this was a major takeaway from this book for me, is that our brains are wired to expect reward and study after study. There's so many studies documented in this book. It's amazing. But study after study shows that our brain is expecting a reward. And this reward ends up creating cravings. And you crave that reward to the point where it becomes a routine or a habit. And that habit loop is formed. So an essential piece that drives our habits is this craving piece. And we crave the rewards. So that stood out for me. So I really, after reading, that, I really decided to build in rewards to um, the habits that I wanted to start forming within my life and attaching more emphasis on these rewards and also having the cues that really helped me start up that behavior. So, okay. So then he talked about, which was profound, is also the golden rule of habit change. So if we want to change habits, um, it's really important. Like, you know, I have a lot of clients that have a tendency, and me myself, I got over this myself, but have a tendency to maybe go in and have a sweet tooth after dinner and they're really not hungry, but then they have this habit of going back into the kitchen and having something sweet. Um, or, you know, sometimes we, we form all kinds of habits. So we sometimes we want to change a habit, right? So we can transform ourselves because habits are autopilot. They can lead to other things that we don't really want in our life. So the golden rule of habit change. So he talked about this within his book. And so basically why and how transformation can occur. Okay. So you can't extinguish, dis- extinguish a bad habit and you can only change it. So we can't just get rid of a bad habit and say, okay, I don't want that habit anymore. It's just not going to happen because it's ingrained in our brain. So you can only change it. So what he's suggesting is use the same cue and then also provide the same reward. So in order to change behavior and change routine, you want to keep, you'll know what the cue is and know what the reward is that you're getting. So in order to change a habit, you must keep the old cue and deliver the old reward but insert a new routine or a new behavior. And then you can shift your routine and you can shift your habit. So I thought this was so incredible. So for example, if you're attempting to give up snacking, for instance, and um, you you often, you basically, like you think you're trying to will yourself to do it and just stop that habit, you'll often fail. And so unless you want, unless you put in, and what he's saying within his book, unless you put in a new new routine to satisfy the old cues and the reward urges. So 
that's pretty incredible. So if you can think of a new behavior that's actually going to reward you. So for example, if you're going to the kitchen after, you know, in the evening and you're looking for cookies, if you, the cue is the time of day, um, you're, you're looking for relaxation. The reward actually is relaxation. It's maybe cutting through boredom if you're bored or if you're feeling uh, lonely or empty or something. And I'm just making these up by the way. Uh, and that's maybe that's what the reward is, is that the cookie makes you feel comforted. The cookie makes you feel like you have a reward at the end of the day for all your hard work, uh, the cookie, you know, whatever it is. So the reality is, is that you got to find that routine or that behavior that's going to provide you with the same reward. So it could be, you know, calling up a friend to make you feel comforted. Uh, it could be, um, giving yourself a nice bath at the end of the day as a form of relaxation and winding down. So the idea in what he's suggesting within his book is to look for those things that can uh, substitute that behavior that will still offer the reward. So when you have a cue at the end of the night or whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, whatever your cue is, you keep the old cue, you keep the old reward, but you insert a different behavior that will provide you with that reward. So you can start rewriting your habit, which is so amazing. I thought that was incredible. Okay. So for example, you want to figure out and the main question that you want to ask yourself, the golden rule of changing habit is what cravings are driving your habit loop? That's incredible, right? So if you think about what are the cravings that are driving your habit loop, just being aware of it, uh, you'll be able to kind of isolate what other behaviors can help support that craving. So for example, alcoholics crave alcohol because it offers escape, it offers relaxation, it helps like stop anxiety for some people, it's an emotional release, and it's really interesting how Alcoholics Anonymous, they offer um, systems of meetings and companionship, and they offer other ways of providing escape and going into these meetings and other ways of providing emotional release. So they provide different um, ways that people that are alcoholics can get that reward. So that is such an interesting thing. So it's the same cue. It's the same reward. It's just different behavior. So they're no longer drinking. They're they're getting their um, reward in a different way. So the idea is that you prepare behavior for when cues come in. So identify the cues and identify the rewards and the cravings that are driving that loop. And then you can really change your routine. Wow. So that's incredible. So just to summarize, so the tips to change habit, according to Charles Duhigg, is one, you want to keep your eye out for what craving is driving your behavior. So what, what is the craving? What's the craving that's driving in your behavior and leading you to that behavior? And then number two, keep your cue and your reward change so whatever it is, um, keep your keep the the cue and the reward the same, and then change your behavior or your routine. So your cue and your reward. In order to change behavior, you want to keep those two things the same. But you got to really investigate them. So number three is to plan behavior and find another routine that can support your reward or your cravings. 
isn't that amazing like that is so profound like and it's like it was it's like huge eureka right so it almost made me want to pull out my journal and like discover okay what are my bad habits or what habits do I want to change and look at the cues look at the craving that's driving the behavior look at the reward that that behavior is providing me and then it's really cool because you can kind of break it down and then so then step three was plan behavior uh, to find another routine and keep testing different behavior routine uh, to see that if you can get the reward from it and then identify the cue and the reward and associate it with a new habit so putting in that new behavior and that choose a new routine so that's simple we get a nice payoff from just choosing a new routine or a new behavior that supports that old cue and supports the rewards all right Now, he did mention for some behaviors, however, there is a secret ingredient that you want to add to this, and he suggested that that secret ingredient is belief. Believe it's possible, that you can change, and I swear, just knowing this habit loop is so powerful because it really does allow us to believe that it's possible to change uh, change some of our habits. Okay, the other thing I wanted to touch on because it really resonates with me is this idea, and he talked about within his book, of keystone habits. Habits. And so basically, which habits matter the most? And keystone habits, the way he described it in his book, are basically habits that have power to have like a chain reaction or the one habit that has the potential to change other habits and create other habits. And this keystone habit, it kind of starts the process of, you know, other great uh, habits to fall into place. And or it could like it could be a positive keystone habit or it could be a negative, you know, for uh, some people, if, for example, they start maybe with one glass of uh, alcohol and they can lead to other things and then bad choices, blah, blah, blah. So that's a keystone habit. That's not the greatest habit. Whereas a keystone habit could also be something like, you know, if someone's exercises and they know if they do their exercise, they're also eating great all day. They're also making good choices. They're also more energized. They're more productive. And so you can see a keystone habit is basically a powerful habit that has the potential to create this chain reaction. So what habits are like matter most to you? So I really encourage you to make a list of those keystone habits or try and think about those habits within your day that actually set yourself up for success and set yourself up for other great habits to fall into place. Because once you kind of nail that habit and identify that habit, or the few key priority habits, um, they really can act as powerful levers or leverage for your day. So the habits that matter the most to you are the ones that start a huge shift or not even huge, start a shift in your life that kind of dislodge or remake other patterns. So for example, waking up early for me is one of my keystone habits. When I wake up early, I have more energy all day long. I feel more productive, which makes me feel great on all levels. That makes me even more productive. I have a tendency to choose healthier foods and I have more energy to exercise 
exercise, I also usually feel like I have more time. And so I take my doggies for a walk, I get fresh air. So for me, waking up early is a keystone habit that really puts everything or kind of, and the way he put it in his book is have this spillover effect into every area of my life. So developing that habit, so I need to develop, you know, that cue, I need to isolate the rewards and then start the behavior to kind of, so the point where I start craving to wake up early. Um, Wow. So tell me, you know, what behaviors matter most to you and what are your personal keystone habits? And does that idea of a keystone habit really excite you? Because it really is going to help, you know, create, have a chain reaction or a positive effect on your day. All right. So then he started talking about uh, willpower and um, when willpower becomes automatic. And this was powerful because in positive psychology, we always talk about self-regulation. And sometimes um, when we look at people that have really great self-control or good habits in place, um, it almost looks like they're not working hard, um, but it's because they've made it look, because they've made it really automatic. And the self-regulation is kind of a part of their life. So Angela Duckworth, she uh, did a lot of work on this and she is one of the University of Pennsylvania's researchers. And she says basically willpower occurs without them even having to think about it. (laughs) That's pretty profound. So essentially they have turned self-discipline into a habit. Isn't that great? Don't you want to turn self-discipline or self-regulation into a habit? So willpower is actually making self-discipline a habit. So it's not just willing yourself to make a decision. It's actually making it autopilot. So it's turning self-discipline into an actual habit. So it's amazing, right? So don't you want to know, it's like, how can I make self-discipline a habit, right? And so it's all about, um, it's being a learned skill and that it can be taught and you can design the power of habits into your life so that you can reach your goals. And it's all about deliberately designing your willpower habits is literally designing self-regulation into your life. So having cues that provide you, you know, with certain routine and then have that routine provide you with certain rewards and plan it, put it into a plan. And then slowly what happens is it does have gradually happen gradually over time. What happens is this routine starts to create kind of leverage and it allows you to start getting the rewards. And then you start to crave those rewards that are associated with this self-discipline, whether it be, you know what, super productivity, um, great, you know, accomplishments or reaching goals and the excitement that comes with that financial stability and freedom that comes with that. So knowing um, what, how this self-regulation and this self-discipline can really turn into a habit for you is so powerful. All right. So this book is incredible. I hope you got a lot out of it. Again, like I said, there's so much in this book that I didn't touch on, but I hope I kind of sucked out that some of the actionable nuggets to help you change habits, form habits, and just, oh, his book was so good. And so it's basically the framework of changing a habit and it's all about identifying the routine. So notice the components of your habit, identify the cue, the routine, the reward loop, that habit loop, and then experiment with rewards. So what rewards are powerful to you? What rewards um, help you satisfy your cravings? So figure out which cravings are driving your habits and then adjust your routine so you can deliver a different reward. 
like have a different behavior to deliver that reward and test. You can also change and add rewards in order to develop new habits. Um, And then also remember to isolate your cues. So look at location, time, emotional state, the people that you're with, the actions, everything that kind of cues you and eggs you on to have a certain behavior is powerful. He talked all about having a plan. So identifying the reward that's driving the behavior behavior, the cue that's triggering it, and the routine itself. So you can begin to shift any part of this loop and uh, that really remember the craving piece to the point where you start to crave those rewards because our brain's wired to do that really, really helps us to form these habits and create an automatic experience. So he did say that change does not happen fast necessarily, that it isn't always easy, but with time and effort, Effort, we can almost create, a, we can reshape our habits and we can create new habits. So, oh my gosh, I hope you got a lot out of this book. I know I did. The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. This episode is brought to you by my Teen Empowerment Series. I am so excited because I just launched my Teen Empowerment Series. These are 365 inspirations to help build confidence, inner strength, and self-love, or to build inner calm, mindfulness, and life balance. And the positivity one is all about building a growth mindset, positivity, and strength. This empowerment series is so wonderful for teens. It's 365 days, and I would love it if you could go over and just write a review on amazon.com. It helps me so much, and it spreads the knowledge, and it's such a wonderful mission to help our teens. I mean, they could be struggling with so much and they don't need to be. So sometimes they just want a little effective support to help them. You know, they can take charge of their day in a positive way. So I wrote this series because I have children and I love the idea of little daily inspirations to help keep them on track. I mean, teens aren't going to sit down and read a whole entire book, but they may listen to little inspirations and quotes and affirmations and messages for the day, positive messages. It's brimming with engaging support with this perpetual calendar is filled with daily encouragement and inspirations and they're designed to really help our teens flourish and live more happily and positively. So this book combines the science of positive psychology and uplifting quotes with quotes with bite-sized guidance. This is so essential because I mean their attention span is totally different (laughs) with all their devices and everything. So just to capture them and allow them to tap into their positivity one day at a time is why I created these books. So I really hope you can support me. The first book is called Positivity One Day at a Time. And then the second one's called Awaken My Inner Zen. And the third one is called My Own Kind of Beautiful. They're all 365 days of inspirations for our teens. Thank you so much for your support. If you haven't gone over and purchase your copies or you have teens in your lives, I highly recommend them. You can probably get them before Christmas now as well. Uh, So if that's an idea for a stocking stuffer, that would be a good one. All right. Thank you everybody for your support and head on over to Amazon, write a review for me. I would really appreciate it. And thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. If you like this podcast that's like personal training for your mind, you've got to come over to my website at andreasadel.com where I take all these books, I highlight, coach, and summarize the content in my unconventional book and coaching club. Let's face it, no one is sunshine and butterflies all the time. 
but we can make happiness a lifestyle. So I want to invite you to sign up at my website for my freebies and giveaways so that you can start each week positively. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to, download and write a review because they really help grow the show.